Um, you know, there's few things that I think, at least in my lifetime for sure, that I would consider to be global events. I mean, like 9-11, obviously, but that really affected our nation. But something to affect the whole world that, in a sense, just kind of put the whole world on pause. But one of the things that, that I think that can happen when we experience a moment like this is that we can become very much uh, self-focused and self-aware. Why? Because we're thinking about, and, and look, and these are things that, that I deal with. They're things that we all deal with. And I think that there are some unintended consequences. There are things that happen. There are side effects, if you want to call it that, from something like this pandemic. And, you know, we can look at it, but not really pay attention to the side effects sometimes. You know, it's like when, we, uh, when we're watching TV and one of those, you know, one of those uh, drugs come on, those medicines come on, and they're like, it'll do this, you know, it'll save you from sneezing, but you might have all these side effects, and you're like, I think I'll deal with the sneezing, right? And sometimes the side effects are actually much worse than the, what you're trying to resolve, you know, and I think one of the unintended consequences, and I've talked about this one quite a bit, and at least in reference to it uh, over the last number of months, so I don't want to sp- spend a lot of time on this, very much time really, but one of the side effects of this is fear, is that fear comes in really quick, and fear will make you what? Very self-aware. It makes you very much focused on me, mine, my family, what I need, and yet as believers, as Christians, we are not called... To what? To live for ourselves. We are actually to be mindful of God and to be mindful of others. That's who we're called to be. And so I think that it's important. And if fear is something that you are presently dealing with, I would encourage you to go back over the last few months. And we have messages on our website. We've got them archived. And you can go listen and really be encouraged in the area of fear. But one of the other side effects that I see and I've already mentioned it, is, and I even see it in myself many times, is this propensity to self. You're like, I'm not sure what propensity means. It's like a natural leaning, a natural tendency that, hey, when things start going haywire, like when things start going wrong in our life or, or unexpected things begin to happen to us, we stop thinking about everybody else and we start thinking really solely about ourselves. And, and so what happens is there's this pull and it's natural, But how many of you know that we're not just natural beings? The Bible tells us that we are spirit beings, that we are created what in the image of God and that we should not live a life solely dictated by our natural tendencies. We shouldn't just be pulled into this is that we need a moment to what? To kind of recalibrate, to refocus, to reset some things in our life so that what? So that we can do what we're here to do. See, we say it all the time is that everybody has a purpose. And this morning, I want to start sharing with you some things that every single one of us can do. This is going to be fairly practical, but I think that in moments like this is that it's easy for us to lose sight of really the goal of our life. At the most basic level, there's two reasons that you exist. Two, and these are universal for every person on the planet. One of the reasons that you exist is to know God. You are to not just know about him, but he wants you to know him very personally in a very real way. So on one hand, yes, we're to know God, but we're also called to what? To help other people know about God. Well, I don't want to go tell somebody about somebody that I know nothing about. 
So it is important that I know God before I start trying to tell people about him. And, and so even in the, the title of this series, it is, it, it's intentional. Is what? It's for his glory. It's for him, our life. Everything about our life is for him and we should be focused on that and not so much on ourself. Because if we'll focus on him, guess what? We're going to do what we're supposed to do. We're going to accomplish all the things that we need to. You know, Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 1. He says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. He says, whether I live or if I die, for me, living means living for Christ. And he says, even though dying would be better. Why? Because he says, hey, I would go to heaven as a Christian, you never lose. How many of you realize that? Is that you, you, it only gets better if it's the end of your life. Now, I'm not advocating for you to check out today by any stretch of the imagination. But what Paul is saying, he says, and he goes on, he says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. This is who we are. Is that I don't just live for myself. You're not supposed to just live for yourself. Is that I live a life that what? That represents Christ to the world around me. And we do this everywhere that we go. And it's important that we understand this. Second Timothy chapter 4. Because I, I think this is some of what is happening and can happen. And so this is a bit of a warning a little bit. But I, I, I want to share it with you. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4.10, he says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. He says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone on to Thessalonica. Now think about this. Here's one of Paul, the Apostle Paul. God used him to do amazing things. And one of his sidekicks has now deserted Paul. Why? Because he got distracted By things in this life. See right now we can become very distracted. By what we see everywhere. What we're being just inundated with all the time. And it can actually pull us away from the very thing that God has for us. Why? Because of the cares of this life. And I'm not saying that we should just be, you know, run off and dig ourselves a little, you know, compound underground somewhere. And just say, Jesus knows where I'm at. When he's ready, he'll come get me. Like, that's not what I'm saying we should do. But yet there is the principle here. And and I think there's two things I really want you to catch. Number one is that obviously Demas was what? He was distracted and got pulled away from what God had for him. But here's something else that I want you to see. Is that even the apostle Paul said what to Timothy? Come. Come. Why? Because he was alone. He said, look, I, I had somebody with me. Timothy, I need you to come. As I was just sharing with you a few minutes ago, we're going to be launching groups in a couple of weeks. And guess what? You need to come. Why? Because you need people to be able to speak into your life and say, hey, you may not be quite seeing that circumstance situation quite properly. Or they may say, hey, you are seeing it right. And I'm going to stand and believe God with you. And you need that. We need people around us to speak into our life, to encourage us. And not only that, we need to encourage other people. We need to give out life as well. Why? Because we all have it to give. And you're like, no, I don't. You have more than you realize. You have more than you realize, but you're just going to what? Have to be willing to engage. And so even the apostle Paul said, Timothy, I need a friend right now. And in times like this, where our whole world is kind of upside down, we need each other. 
We need each other for encouragement. We need each other for strength. And so, again, I encourage you. Groups are coming. You need to be in one. Can I make that any clearer? Anybody? Anybody? No, we've got to be plugged in. It is so vital, not just for you, but for others as well. It's so important that we do this. And so, and these, I'm just laying a few foundation scriptures here before I get into really the meat today. But in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking and he says this. He says, if you truly want to follow me, he says, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. Reject what? Your life, what you want, how you want things, how you perceive things. He says, and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. He says, as you continually surrender to my ways. So as you continually surrender, how many of you know that salvation is not a one time raise my hand, Jesus, I accept you as Lord. There is a continual life and a continual surrender that has to take place. It has to. You know, people don't just fall away from the Lord. They drift. And any of us left to ourselves will drift. That's why we need to constantly surrender. Why? Because it brings us back to that center line. Is it Jesus? My life is focused on you. It's not about me, Jesus. It's about what you want, what you're asking me to do in my life. And so he continues and says, for if you choose self-sacrifice... And you lose your lives for my glory. He says you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. In other words, he's telling us, even if you try to hold on to your life, the thing that you believe is so dear and so important, you'll end up losing even that in the end. Now, I think it's interesting here is that God never takes anything from us. And he says, here, is that we have to what? Self-sacrifice. You're like, well, I don't know if that's true. Okay, let me give you an example of this. Have you ever heard of anybody that's been addicted to coming to church? Anybody? Like, I don't know what happened. I said I wasn't going to church this morning. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in the church. I just couldn't help it. You ever heard somebody that was like addicted to prayer? Like, man, I was just getting my groceries. Next thing I know, I'm having a prayer meeting in aisle 13. Right next to whatever. Right? Why? Because God will never control us. It's the enemy, the devil who tries to control. It's the enemy who tries to manipulate. And yet, it's up to us to what we're going to submit to. And so here he goes on and he says, he says, for even if you were to gain the whole wealth or all the wealth and the power of this world with everything that it could offer, at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable than your very own soul? And so we, we've got a, a very clear picture here of what Jesus is telling us. Is that look, you have a choice. You have a decision. You can either live life really, and I would say it this way, for your glory, for yourself, or you can live it for the glory of God. And yet we are called to live for the glory of God. And what happens when we live for the glory of God, we will live a much greater, broader, and, and much more impactful life than we could ever have on our own. And so we need to see these things and understand these things. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four specific things. Uh, and they actually tie in with our vision. Uh, but I want to 
approach it from a little bit different version or different verbiage a little bit. And so this is the way that I felt like the Lord gave it to me. I was uh, praying one day and the Lord just kind of dropped this thought and these four points in my heart. And then as I started praying about it and right now I was like, oh, this looks like our vision. (laughs) Holy Spirit's good like that. I'm not that smart, but he is. And uh, so today we're going to talk about worshiping him. In other words, worshiping God, but it's going to be different than what you probably already think. I'm not talking about singing songs. What I am talking about is knowing, and I'll say it this way, recognizing God every day, all the time. And we're going to look at this here in a few minutes. And next week, we're going to be talking about what God's story. Because how many of you realize that God's story is actually our story? Now, it's about him, but God gets glory from what he does in our life. And so we're going to talk about some things, and that really ties in with what we would say in in part of our vision, which is finding freedom. Because, you know, how many of you know that that is God's story? Is that he is a deliverer. And we're going to talk about these things next week. And so in week three, we're going to talk about building his church, which is what? How do we build the church? We build you. We help you find your gifts. We help you find what God has called you to do. Why? So that you can help build God's church. Because when the church is built, God receives glory, right? And so that'll be week three. In the last week, we're going to talk about expanding God's kingdom. Is that we are here to expand God's kingdom. And that's where we talk about in our vision as far as making a difference. So we're going to be sharing these things over the next couple weeks. So... Here they are. Now you know what we're going to be talking about for the next four Sundays. And so this morning, I really want to talk to you about worshiping God. Now, as I said, we were just doing what many of us would say. Yeah, we just had a time of worship and we did. We were singing. We were lifting up our voices. We may have been lifting up our hands and and to God. But how many of you know that singing does not equate to worship? There's lots of people who sing on the radio and it ain't worship. It's a song and it's music and may even sound good. But just because we sing doesn't mean that it's worship. Let me say it, take it a step further. You can sing the songs that are on these screens and it not be worship. Because you can't have worship without your heart connected to it. And so that's important that we understand that there's a distinction. But, but why start with this subject? Why start with worship? Why start focusing on this? And I said this a few minutes ago is that I believe that when we have a proper understanding of worship and our role in it, it helps us understand how we can influence and impact people. I said it a moment ago, but you can't introduce somebody else to a God that you do not know. And one of the ways that I believe that we can do this is through worship and and really connecting this and connecting that it's part of every part of my life. Now, don't. For some of you, don't disconnect because you heard me say worship and you're like, I don't do that. That's not, that's not my thing. That's, you know, maybe that's my wife's thing. That's my husband's thing. That's somebody else's thing. Yes, yeah, that's just something y'all do before you get up and talk. Like, don't disconnect from this moment because I'm going to redefine what worship is for you today. And we're going to look at scripture from this. And, and so here's the truth is that we were all made to worship. We are worshiping creator, creation. You worship something. It's not a question of if, it's what. I mean, I know right now there are some people who are a little disgruntled because they're messing with their possible fall football season. (laughs) How upset would you be if somebody messed with your deer lease? Like, oh, don't touch that now. 
That's my time with the Lord. And look, there's nothing wrong with these things. They're just wrong when they get out of place. They're wrong when we look at them from a, a wrong place and looking at it in, the, in, a, in a manner that is not proper. And so, you know, as I said, we're not talking about singing songs, although that is a form of worship. You know, here's something unique. Just like your thumbprint is unique, so is your vocal uh, pattern. In other words, as, as unique as your thumbprint is, so is your voice. So let me say it like this, is that nobody can worship like you can to the heart of God. He's listening specifically for your voice. And it, it blesses him in a certain way that only you can. Because you were created for this. And so it's important that we understand these things. And so really what worship means is this. It, it really asks the question of what do you give value or what do you ascribe worth to? That's how you know when you worship something. I mean, thankfully, nobody comes in here with letters painted on their chest and in worship, like lift up their shirt, like, you know, I love Jesus. <laughs> Please don't do that. I know you might be having some withdrawals. I get it, but let's not go there. But yet, there are people that if you really want to be really honest about it, they support their team with what? Their finances. They support their team with their energy. They evangelize for their team. And they go to their games and they dress up and they do crazy, ridiculous things. Why? Because they're not just a fan. They're actually worshiping. Right? Why? They are invested. And because they're invested, guess what? They're vocal. I mean, I could tell you now, although my team is not great, I could mention the name of a particular football team that I'm a fan of and you would boo me. But guess what? What they do or what they don't do doesn't change my week. As a matter of fact, when I really started serving the Lord, my mom told me, one of the things that she told me, she said, I knew it was real because you stopped watching ESPN so much. Because that was the altar I worshipped at every day. And depending on what they told me would affect how I lived my life. And so, you know... This goes so much beyond this. And so, you know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it tells us a scripture and, and it says, Beloved friends. So he's talking to believers in this, in this moment. He says, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? So in other words, how should we respond to God for the grace of God, the mercy of God in our life? What should we do in light of salvation and all that God has done for us? He says, I encourage you. To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred and living sacrifice. Sacred, in other words, a holy sacrifice. He says, and live in holiness, which I know that makes people nervous. Like, you mean being perfect? No, I mean being holy. There's a difference. The Bible, I'm not holy because of what I have done. The Bible calls me holy because of what Christ has done. The Bible says that we, as, as those who have accepted Christ, are what? We are the righteousness of God. Righteousness is another word for holy. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that we're redeemed. It means that God has made a way in spite of who we are. And, and so he, he says that we're to live in holiness. And there is a standard according to Scripture. 
There is a, a way to live that the Bible speaks to that what? That we are to live out, not because God is a dictator, but because, because God loves us and knows if you'll live according to my ways, it will produce certain things in your life that are going to be good, that are going to be a blessing. And so anytime that we live contrary to God's word, guess what? There are consequences and it's not from God. Choices have consequences. The other day I was on a road trip and I exceeded the speed limit. There were consequences to my decision. Now I would try to justify myself, but we're not here for that. It wasn't the police officer's responsibility for my speed. Nor did he chase me down and say, hey, I think you're doing something wrong. He said, no, I clocked you. I was like, you're probably right. (laughs) I didn't hit my brakes fast enough. I was coming into town, not paying attention. And there were consequences for my actions. But in the same way, when I live according to God and in the standard of God's word, and I live a way that honors God, guess what? There are consequences, except they're not really consequences. Well, they are, but we would call them blessings. They're good There are the things that God wants to work into our life. And so it says here that when we live in holiness, that we will be experiencing all that delights his heart, being God's heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So he says here, I want you to what? Surrender yourselves to God to live in holiness. Why? Because this is your expression of worship. Worship goes way beyond just a moment that we have together on Sundays. It goes way beyond just having the right music playing, the right circumstances playing. He says that what? Your whole life is an act of worship to God. Everything about us, every day, everything that we do is all an act of worship to God. He says this is where we're to live from. And so what? When we understand this, it actually changes the way that we look at our day-to-day life. That our whole life becomes an act of honoring and worshiping God. And this is who we are called to be. That word worship actually means to serve. To serve. That's what the word worship actually, one of the definitions is. Is to serve God. Well, as I serve God, that's worshiping him. It's bringing glory to God. The message translation says it this way. It says, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Embracing what God wants for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Why? Because that's how we bring glory to God. See, anytime that we begin to focus on God, what happens is we be, we, we, the, the focus gets shifted away from us. And it's so important that this is the way that we are called to live. Because if we will focus on God, he's going to take care of us. The Bible talks about it multiple times. See, I don't have to stress and I don't have to worry and I don't have to get all anxious about things that I have zero control over. See, the truth is is that we get anxious and worried and and all of these things begin to build up in us. Why? Because we feel like we have no control in circumstances and situations in life. And the reality is, is we don't. That's why we're worried. Okay, well, I would rather trust God than to live worried all the time. 
God, I'll, I'll take care of the things that I can take care of. I'm going to let you take care of all the things that I can't. I'm going to trust you in these areas. Now I want to read you a passage of scripture that I believe that many times we hear it. And for years and years and years, for a long time, I heard it a certain way. And I would assume that many of you have heard it this way, but I want to give you another example. In John chapter 14, verse 15, I'm going to read this. uh, I'm going to give you two, actually three translations, but one of them really brings out what I want you to see today. So this is the Amplified. He says, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. How many of you are familiar with this scripture? If you love me, keep my commandments. I like how the Amplified Bible adds, if you really love me, you will prove it by what you do. That's the way I read this verse for years and years and years. That's why I say for a long time in my life, I was a really good Pharisee. I was a guy, man, if the Bible said it, I was going to toe the line and I was going to make sure everybody else did too. And if they didn't, I was going to call them out on it. Now, I pray none of you are like that. If you are, go ahead and repent. Ask God to help you learn about grace. Give yourself some first and then start giving it to other people. But why? But it was my understanding of what this scripture was saying. If you love me, this is how you're going to do it. It's very, very legalistic. The message translation says it this way. It says, if you love me, show it by doing what I told you. In other words, there's this first part that's like, hey, if you love me, do this. Like the emphasis is on the second part, not the first part. But the reality is, if we would focus on what? Loving God, on knowing God, of developing our relationship with him, doing what is in scripture becomes really easy. Because I believe that we've put the emphasis on the wrong part of the verse. We put the emphasis on the second part, not the if you love me. Although I think that's what we're to do. If we would focus on that, the rest just comes. You know, because I love my wife, she doesn't have to nag me too much. I'm not going to say she never has to. She never has to encourage me on certain things. She's shaking her head. Why? Because there are things that I do because I love her. And because I love her, I will do for her what I would not do for most people. Not because I have to, but because I love her. And out of my love for her, out of, out of our relationship, out of the strength of our relationship, I'll say, hey, how can I help you? You want me to help with the kids? What, how can I help you this morning? It's not just on my radar going, you know what? Today's a good day to help her. It's because I love her and I say, she's obviously got a lot going on this morning. Let me help her out. Hey, why don't you go take a break? Go to the store. Go to wherever you need to go. I'll take the kids. Not because I have to, it's because I love her that I'll do certain things that I wouldn't normally probably do. Like, hey, let me take care of the dishes. Let me take care of the kids. Let me take care of this for you. Whatever it may be, it's not because I have to. It's not because she's asked me 15 times, like, would you take the trash out? You know, I mean, it's not those things. No, I want to do those things. It's not a have to, it's a want to. And that's a big difference. And I love the way the Passion Translation brings this same verse out. And because I think it gives us a little more clarity into the actual meaning. And it says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Loving me empowers you. Gives you the want to. I don't have to do these things. I want to do these things. 
Why? Because they bring glory to God. See, we have to come to a place and an understanding that our entire life is actually an act of worship to God. And when we understand this, it changes the way that we go to work. It changes the way that we interact with people. It changes every part of our life when we realize, hey, God's paying attention. Not because he is uh, some kind of Lord who's, who's waiting to pounce and to do all these things. No, why? Because we delight his heart. When we honor him, when we walk in line with his word and we're willing to live and to, to, to be who he's called us to be, that brings honor and glory to God. That is who we are called to be. See, we live for God's glory, not ours. We live for his glory. Why? Because when we live for his glory, other people will see him through us. Now, I'm about to get fairly practical in this, and I'm going to kind of get down in the weeds for a moment because I really want you to to understand what I'm trying to communicate about this today. And I'm going to use one specific example that would apply for most of us, but that all of us can associate with. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here out of Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 22. I'm going to read three verses here. But he says, let every employee listen well and follow the instructions of their employer. Now remember, this is scripture, by the way. This is actually in the Bible. It says, not just when your employer is watching and not just in pretense, but faithful in all things. For we are to live our lives with pure hearts in constant awe and wonder of the Lord God. So let me rework this a little bit, reword it. It says, for we to live our lives with what? With pure hearts in constant worship to God. That's those two words there where it talks about with, with awe and wonder. Those are words that are part of the description of worship as well. So you could say that just as equally. Is that what? Even when I go to work, how I work is a matter of my worship. How am I diligent? People want to know, why do you do such good work? Well, because I'm not just concerned about my name. I'm concerned about the one who I claim as my Lord. I represent him. And when people see me, I want them to see him. See, I'm of the conviction that as Christians, I believe we should have and run the best businesses. I believe that we should be the best employees. I believe that we should do things above and beyond what is expected. Why? Because our God is above and beyond what is expected of us. When it comes to us and what he's done for us and, and all of these things, is that we are to... What? Worship God even at work. In our day-to-day lives, it goes on here. And he says, put your heart and soul into every activity that you do. As though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. I don't care if you're digging a hole, do it to the glory of God. I don't care if you're raising kids. You're like, well, I don't have a job. Sure you do. You got the most important one. You're raising children. What? The Bible says to raise them in the honor and the admonition, the understanding, the knowledge of God. Why? So that when they are old, they have something to stand on and say, no, my my mama taught me this. My daddy taught me this. So even in that, so raise your children in the honor and for the glory of God. I don't care if you're a car mechanic. I don't care if you're a brain surgeon. Do it for the glory of God. 
Why? Because people will begin to ask. And it's going to be a great opportunity for you to share your story and to share your faith with them. Why? Because we are not called to just blend into this world. We are called to stand out from this culture and out from this world. For what? For the glory of God our Father. And when we live differently, you don't talk like the rest of us. I realize. Not from a a, a legalistic standpoint or a legalistic place. But no, I... The Bible tells me to watch the words that I speak, so I try to do that. What's funny is most of the time when when you're in that situation, people always want to apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. I said this around you. It's cool. That's just the conviction I live by. I'm not trying to push my convictions off on anybody else, but there's something attractive about that. That people are like, man, there's something about you that I like. It's God in you that they see. It's God in you that they're attracted to. The last part of this verse says, for we know that we will receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord as we serve him. So again, let me make this really practical. You know the boss that you can't stand and you're like, I hate working for them. So quit working for them and start working for the Lord. I've had some bad bosses. I'll leave it at that. But this, this principle alone helped me so much. Not only helped me, it actually got me promoted from underneath that bad boss. And the Lord said, hey, you're going to keep your heart right in this. I can, I can bring promotion into your life. I can open doors for you. See, one of my desires, is, and it is part of our vision, is we want you to know God. But I want other people to know God because of you. I want people to see God because of you, because they see the fruit of the work of God in your life, the substance, the reality that God is alive in you. No, I don't just go to church. I am the church. There's a big difference between those two things. Over in Isaiah, I think it's um, chapter 13 or yeah, I think it's 13 around verse 26, I think. But God actually makes it, gives this statement against the children of Israel. And he says that, He said, with their lips they praise me, but their hearts are far from me. And he says, their worship is a joke. Now, this is the David translation, so give me some room here. Their worship is a joke. Why? Because it's just ritual. There's no actual heart connection to it. And so, so many times, even people's interactions with other Christians, other believers, they've had negative experiences. So why don't we make it our goal to make sure that every person that we come in contact with has a good experience with a Christian? There's plenty of bad experiences out there, so we need to change the tide of that. Well, how do we do that? Every interaction that we have. Be gracious. See somebody's frustrated. They're obviously worried. They're stressed out. Maybe leave a nicer tip. Maybe ask them if you can pray for them. Say, hey, is everything okay? Treat them like a human being, not a servant. Right? Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. How can I help you today? I know that you're bringing me my food, but how can I help you today? These little things like this. There's lots of opportunities. Your coworker's stressed out. You don't have to make a big deal about it, but hey, can I just pray for you? How can I pray for you? How about that? Don't even ask them, can you? Just say, how can I? Because they'll probably just respond. Versus, no, I'm okay. Just say, how can I pray for you? What can I be praying for? You seem stressed out. 
yeah, my kid's going through this. I've got this going on, man. My marriage is falling apart. And all of a sudden, they're opening up to you. And now you can actually pray for them and invite God to come into that moment. See, just that little step of just saying, can I pray for you? What You're saying, I am a Christian. I, I'm a believer. And they ask you, well, why would you do that? Well, because I love God and I believe God loves you. And I just believe this is his heart. See, I believe that this is who we're called to be. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. I love this. It's such a beautiful scripture to me in so many ways. And the Apostle Paul writes, and he's writing to believers here. And he says, as a result of our ministry, you are living letters. Another translation says that you're a living epistle. In other words, you're a story that's been written by God. See, every one of us is a story that God is writing right now. Now, our stories aren't finished. Our stories are being written. But here he says that you are living letters. In other words, you're scripture walking around. Now, I know some people are like, that ain't correct. It's the heart of what's being communicated. He says, I mean, let me ask you this. Just pray. What's the purpose of a letter? Is it to write something or is it for somebody to read it? The reason you write a letter is so somebody can read it, right? And here, Paul writes and says, you are living letters written by Christ. You, as an individual, are a letter that's being written by Christ. He says, not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not carved onto stone tablets, but on the, stab, on the tablets of a tender heart see every one of us have a story every one of us god wants to to use to influence the world around us why because we are those living letters is that people may not know god they may not be able to see god but they do know us and they and they do see us they see us and they know us well if we will live with the the thought in mind that my life as a whole is for one purpose It's to bring glory to God. I'm going to live a life that's focused that everything that I do is an act of worship before God. Is that my worship isn't just a song. It's it's the decisions I make. It's how I treat people. It's it's how I I function in who God has called me and created me to be. This is all part of my act of worship. Is what? Just like Romans 12 talked about. We looked at this. Is that we are to be what? Living sacrifices. I think it's interesting. Several of these verses that we've read today. All use that same word, living, a living sacrifice, a living letter. What is that? There ought to be some life on the inside of us. Is it that when we're connected to God, what is it? We receive strength. We receive grace. We receive his ability. That's what gives us life in Christ. And it's so important that we understand that we are here to live for God's glory. Not just privately in my home but publicly in the street, publicly at my job, publicly in my neighborhood, publicly with my family and my extended family. See, there ought to be some consistency. I don't have a church personality and a work personality and a recreation personality and then a vacation personality. And then like, no, I want to be consistent. I, I want to be who I am all the time. Because then I don't have to remember who am I in this setting. I can just be 
who God's called and created and empowering me to be. And the same thing is true for you.